0: From the hosts that brought you to Coding Westworld and Westworld the Recapables
1: comes the Ringer Prestige TV podcast uh, on Westworld.
0: I'm Joanna Robinson.
1: I'm Danny Heifetz. And I'm David Shoemaker.
0: Welcome to Westworld season four in the Prestige TV podcast feed, where we're going to break down every episode of Westworld season four.
1: Every Monday, the day after the show comes out on the Prestige
0: TV podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts, but get them on Spotify.
1: When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
0: All right, it is Monday, July 25th. I am actually on vacation this week. Craig, this time I'm having work done. What are you getting done? Uh, everything. What am I not getting done? what is, is what you have to ask. I asked for the Chris <laughs> treatment. I said, just make me look like one of the Chrises. Yeah, that's a good call. Doesn't matter which one. I'll take any of the Chrises, Or I'll, I'll even take Ryan Reynolds. He's like an honorary Chris. He, he, he is the honorary Chris. But uh, you, I'm going to come back. You won't recognize me. But in the meantime, uh, we have an episode today with Lucas Shaw. And it's a fun one. We are doing an IP Draft intellectual property. We're going to look at all of the big franchises and select our teams of what we would pick based on current status of the franchise, how it's doing, what the prospects are going forward. It's sort of like a stock pick. If things like Star Wars and Marvel were stocks, what would you pick? What would you sell? What would you hold? So we're doing two shows this week, no call sheets. But we will have a Town Hall mailbag episode later in the week. And we got the IP draft today. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw, and we're going to do something new today. We're going to do an IP draft. IP is driving the business these days. It has been for a couple decades now. If you do not have strong IP, chances are your movie or television show is execution-dependent. And what that means in Hollywood is it has to be good to connect with an audience. IP is the great hedge. You can do something based on IP and people are pre-branded, predisposed to like it. So IP rules everything in Hollywood. And we're going to take a look at if we were picking a team of IP that we would have on our roster, let's say five each, and then a six man to be a sleeper, someone that we pick up in a... Rule 5 draft or something, uh, who would we pick? You ready for this, Lucas? So ready. All right. Uh, there are some rules first. So we're taking these properties, these franchises, as they are. Meaning, yes, we, you know the James Bond franchise is the James Bond franchise, but it comes with the fact that the Broccoli family controls the IP and decides when to make movies. You know, We're taking Star Wars as it exists today. We're taking all these other properties as they have been exploited in the past and as they might in the future. That's rule number one. Rule two, this is forward-looking. So you do get value for everything that's come before, especially in the streaming universe where libraries are are pretty important, but we're looking mostly forward-looking at what you would do with these. Three, kids franchises are in the mix, but it takes a lot to get into the big boy club, meaning just because you've got a couple hit Kids' movies doesn't mean you are automatically going to be in the top five. Uh, And then four, obviously, we're talking financial value here, not necessarily quality. If you want a quality assessment of franchises, go elsewhere. I'm sure The Watch is talking about that. Five, video games only count if they are film and TV properties as well. So, you know, yes, we know that some of these video game properties like Call of Duty and elsewhere, like, they are huge We are only considering them if they are also film and TV franchises. All right, make sense? Yep. And as always, producer Craig will be the moderator here. Settle any disputes. If Lucas and I cannot agree, then he will come in.
1: And I have a trivia question to determine first pick.
0: Oh, great. Go for it.
1: Okay. Of the big four Chris's, Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, and Chris Pratt, who is the oldest Chris and how old are they?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to say Chris Pine, and I believe he is 42. I'm going to go Chris Pratt,
1: 44. Lucas is correct. Chris Pratt is the oldest Chris, and he is 43.
0: Oh, wow. Wait, this isn't Price is Right style? You, you can go over and still get it? But I had the right person. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I got the wrong guy. Yeah, <laughs> the wrong Chris does not matter. Okay. Uh, all right. Ah, I would not have guessed that. That's a good one. All right, so Lucas, you could first pick. I, I, we know th- there's sort of a consensus number one here, so go for it. Yeah, Matt. The one and two are going to be the 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 most obvious. Number one is Marvel. Uh,
1: e- even if you believe that there is some kind of Marvel fatigue happening right now, the cinema scores and the rating consumer ratings for some of these movies are going down. There are too many TV shows. It's the most valuable franchise in entertainment they can make a Thor movie that most people think is only okay and it grosses 300 million worldwide it's opening weekend Disney plus churns out'll continue to churn out new uh, Marvel branded shows you've got Spider-Man you've got X-Men you've got you know Kevin Feige at the helm there, there's nothing topping it
0: I mean that's the joke of this is that Spider-Man alone would probably be on one of our lists. And, you know, they've got thousands and thousands of characters. Now, obviously, the execution on Marvel has been phenomenal over the past 15 years. 29 films, $27 billion in box office. I mean, unprecedented. Never anything like it in the history of movies. TV seems to be going okay. Uh, The Disney Plus shows, you know, people aren't loving them, but they're definitely showing up. And, yeah, there will be likely some fatigue this Marvel phenomenon has to end at some point, just like Westerns ended, just like musicals ended, but shows no sign. So obvious number one pick. My first pick, if I do not have Marvel available, you know, you got to go DC. In my opinion, DC is just this waiting, roaring tiger waiting to be unleashed. Yes, the films are actually already doing pretty well and you know Aquaman grossed a billion dollars out of the blue and they've got a bu- you know Batman is seemingly restarted as a franchise. They've got a great new strategy now where they are doing the movies and theaters and then they're going to have companion series on HBO Max like the upcoming Penguin show. I just feel like we are in a spot now where DC is about to not It will never be on the level of Marvel, but it's about to grow. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's already the, the second best
1: just in terms of annual production. If you look across the movies and the TV shows, you've got the CW shows, you've got that Peacemaker show on HBO Max, and I think they'll continue to be smart about how they use it. It's clearly a top priority for David Zaslav, which I think is something that shouldn't be overlooked because whether he's successful or not, he's, that's one thing we know he's going to spend a bunch of money on is trying to, to make DC a
0: thing. The one wild card there is they need someone to run it. They have a guy, Walter Hamada, who has been doing fine, but the expectation is that they're going to have a new leader at DC. And it's tough because as great as DC has done, they're always compared to Marvel. And the executive in charge there sort of has a thankless job because doesn't matter what he or she does, it's always going to have this benchmark above it. Well, why didn't we have three movies last year that grossed a billion dollars? Why didn't our show break all the records? So... That's a challenge, but again, I think DC is first-round pick for me. All right, number two, Lucas.
1: This is where it gets hard. I have a list of one, two, three, four, five, six—I don't know, eight—and I could interchange any of them. Uh, I think I'm going to disappoint you here and and go chalk and take Star Wars. Oh God! <laughs> I know you're down on it, and we can we can talk about it, but uh, it's it's still a huge movie franchise. And I I think— Is it? Is it really? I think it is, but more importantly, it's, for now at least, the bedrock, along with Marvel, of the Disney Plus streaming strategy. There's no world in which they're going to stop making a bunch of these. I do think that Mandalorian is continues to be a huge show. Obi-Wan, though it's gotten some mixed reviews, is a big hit for them. And I think they'll find a way every year to have some Star Wars show that people care about— the only thing that gives me pause is I'm a big Star Wars fan and I'm tired of of watching Star Wars, but I don't think that's true of most people. Uh, and and it's other than like the one big flaw from a movie perspective was that nobody in China cares about Star Wars and no movies are getting into China anyways.
0: I am short on Star Wars. Yes, obviously the nine movies have done well. Sorry, 10, 11 movies, I should say, with the spinoffs, they've done... Great in theaters and the shows are doing fine on Disney Plus, but there are diminishing returns here. First of all, the movie franchise is basically dormant. They have a bunch of projects in development, but they've had projects in development for five years now, and none of them is you know on the runway. So it's gonna be five, seven years between Star Wars movies, which maybe will gin up the appetite, and the next one out of the box will be huge. Maybe it's a sign that the leadership at Lucasfilm has sort of driven this franchise into the ground and they've got to figure out where to go. The franchise management of Star Wars has been less than optimal, in my opinion. They, you know, the fact that they made the most recent trilogy without any kind of plan for how there would be a through line through all of the movies is sort of malpractice, in my opinion. How do you do that? How do you get done with the second? movie the last jedi and then say okay what are we going to do for the third like that can't happen but it did and i just think that you know the if i was betting long on any of these properties you can't ignore star wars but i think there will be diminishing returns as we as this franchise ages do you have a rebuttal it's mandalorian is the show that
1: launched disney plus which is the fastest growing streaming service in the world obi-wan is other than stranger things the biggest show of the the last few months i'm not I'm not too worried about Star Wars. and if it takes them a few years to figure out the next movie, that's fine, as long as they're still making TV
0: shows. The, to me, Star Wars is in the Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings category now, great franchises, iconic brands and material. But long in the tooth. and you know, where does the Harry Potter franchise go from here? They have theme parks. They've got all the movies. There you know, will probably be a TV show at some point. But, It's kind of running on that last gasp. And Star Wars, I think, is just showing signs. It's not quite the same, but they cannot keep mining the original movies for these ideas. There has to be a breakout. Mandalorian was a breakout precisely because it was not based on everything that we'd seen before. It was something new that felt familiar, but was a new story. And they haven't done that.
1: I disagree on some of the other ones in your category too, but we'll get there.
0: All right, uh, my second pick. I'm going to go Stranger Things. Wow, I just feel like for young people, that is their Star Wars, and the numbers are so big, and and we are at the beginning of the Stranger Things phenomenon. They're already, they've already announced one spinoff. They are doing a stage play, which I know doesn't really matter, but as long as Netflix exists there will be Stranger Things shows. And if Netflix is in 300, 400, 500 million homes someday, as they want to be, this will be the signature franchise for a long time. I, uh, I could not disagree with you more on this.
1: You think it's done? Beca- no, 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 I don't think it's done. I you think, think it it's dependent
0: on this cast?
1: I th- yeah, I think it's, I'm really reluctant to bet on projects that are cast and story, like specific story dependent, there's not some canon or, or source material that this is based on that you can keep exploiting. There are, there's not any evidence that people want to watch. Some stranger show Stranger Things project set in another slightly related universe. There's no evidence that they want to watch anything but what they have right now. There's no question it's it's a big deal. But it's the same reason I have some concerns about like how Universal can reinvent Fast and Furious. That's such a cast-dependent project. And at least in that case, you have like the idea of a world of of just race cars. Like you can drill it down to one thing in theory.
0: Yeah, but Fast and Furious is 10 movies in. And a spin-off. I mean, they've already gone to space. 100%, they've already but spun I don't, it off with the rock like that. What do you do? I don't know what
1: that is for Stranger Things. Obviously, there are smarter people than I looking into this. Smarter people than me
0: looking into this, and and maybe they'll figure it out. I just think I think Stranger Things is a vibe. It's a genre. It's horror movies that are digestible for kids. It's the Amblin model of the '80s, and if you can bring that ethos to other shows, it's essentially a monster of the week franchise. Yeah, you could be
1: right, but um, it has the it has the most limited track record of of any of these, and it doesn't share it doesn't really to me to me at least share the the world that most of the other things we're going to talk about.
0: That's fair. That's fair. All right, go with your number three.
1: I'm gonna also go with a little bit of a weird one that is Netflix related. Uh, this is, I think, I'm probably overrating it, uh, but I think this is where I'm going to go. Coco Melon. Okay, uh, that's fair. It is the number one kids' property on YouTube because it is the number one kids' property on YouTube. It's the number one kids' property on Netflix. It is a popular kids' property on Amazon and Hulu. They have just started to scratch the surface of what this thing is because they've only made a, you know a handful of TV shows. The fir- a Coco movie would be a huge hit, and it's and they're just you know the the execution to your point from the original creator to now their their owners with with Moonbug and Under Candle Media. Uh, has been pretty flawless in terms of extending it and you know they're now adding in toys. I think it's got the most untapped potential to be the next kid's property for for 20 or 30 years. And something key uh, is it's a churn reducer for streaming services. It's going to make sure that parents never cancel whatever has Cocomelon. The the downside to that, of course, is because it is so available, you could argue that they don't need it on one place because you can just go to YouTube for free.
0: Also, have you ever watched it? Oh, it's not very good. No, no, no. I, uh, this is not a quality show. What I'm saying is there is not a mythology. There's no story. There's nothing that, you know, in traditional franchise sense would lead to multiple spinoffs and such. It's a, it's a, you know, kids singing along franchise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You got. You got to figure out. You got to figure out the story. That is definitely the, the, the counter to it. But there is no bigger kids' property. And if I'm, I'm if I'm thinking about this as someone collecting for, for for my purposes, it's something that's going to be immensely valuable for for many years into the future.
0: And you would go with that over some of the more traditional kids' pr- fro- properties like Paw Patrol or SpongeBob or Mickey Mouse. You know, any of those. Uh, Mickey Mouse is public domain and hasn't mattered
1: in a real <laughs> way in a long time. Uh, or is about to be. Paw Patrol and SpongeBob are both great. Paw, of the two, I'd probably go Paw Patrol. Um, SpongeBob, it just feels like it's been on forever. I don't know. I, I know that kids still watch it, but it feels like a lot of the energy behind it has has gone away. They've made movies already. They're, they do okay, but they're not huge. Uh, Paw Patrol is the other one, and I probably went kids too early, but Partial, part of that is because I want to see where you go in the next one. You, Because um, I'm very conflicted about the all the next adult properties.
0: My next one, and you're going to hate on this one as well, Avatar. No, I don't hate on it. You know you're getting five movies. That's exactly why. You, the, a lot of the, the future of these movies is, uh, of these franchises, very questionable for a lot of them. Like, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. A lot of them are, you know, dependent on the talent attached, but with Avatar, it's been a decade, but we now know there is a runway of these films coming out. And even though Jim Cameron has said that he may not direct after the next two, he's still going to be involved. And the fact that he is going to direct the next two of them, I think just puts this in a position to be a mega grocer and it's already in the theme parks at Disney. They've, you know, it's, it's. Set up like a lot of this exercise is trying to identify where we are in the franchise cycle of a lot of these brands, and I think we are in a great spot for the Avatar franchise finally. Yeah, I, look, it's a total wild card to me. The first one was,
1: you know, the, the biggest movie of all time when it came out. There are people who are convinced that this next one will gross three billion dollars. It doesn't, it, even if it hits one five. It's a huge movie, and it can go a lot. The only, the only reason I guess I'd be a little wary of it is um, it's totally tied to Cameron. And so I think it it's like, what is the runway on this, right? Like, that's probably a great pick for the next 10 years. I don't know that it matters much after that. I don't think you're going to— Maybe they figure out how to make Avatar you mean TV like Terminator? And,
0: Terminator managed to outlive Cameron, and the movies were not great, but there have been—how many of them, six? Yeah, but it fell off a cliff. The Terminators post Cameron don't matter. True, but they see they keep happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I get that. I mean, I just feel like the there could be Avatar TV shows. There could be. I mean, he has successfully created a world and and uh, you know a something that could live on after him. And I think that he cares so much about this world; it's like his life's work. And he was writing Avatar stories when he was a kid. That you know he might authorize that. He might say, "Okay, yeah, go do a Disney Plus show." I don't have to be involved. So there, there could be a lot of it. And we people on Twitter make fun of Avatar. Those people are idiots. Anything that grosses $2.7 billion in theaters is something that everyone in the world knows what it is. And it's now been 10 years. I showed the, the my my kid, who is six years old, saw the trailer and I asked him what he thought. He's like, yes, blue people. So like he had no idea what Avatar is and he's into it. Oh, it's it's definitely the sleeper. It's the one where
1: you could look brilliant five years from now, um, and then of course if, but but it's also the one with the uh, kind of the the biggest risk, other than maybe Stranger Things, of anything that anyone's picked so far.
0: All right, number four, go for it. I'm gonna
1: probably make the same mistake that I feel like you did with Stranger Things, which is Game of Thrones. It was on my list. It, it was it almost made it. I'm going to basically argue against myself right now. I don't actually know if I think there's a lot of interest in continuing spinoffs, but it was the biggest TV show of the last decade, along with maybe The Walking Dead. HBO has a new one coming out uh, in a month or in, yeah, month and a half. It's good. And they will develop a couple of others, and that will be one of the foundational pillars of HBO Max. I you know I, the all the all the third party data about interest in Game of Thrones and piracy is off the charts it's global you have a world where y- you can go into different you can go backwards in time forwards in time different families different characters if handled right it could be a, a big deal for the next 20 years there's also a chance that this first show comes out and we find out that people have moved on
0: i doubt that I really doubt that. I think that there the appetite is there. It's been just enough time. The there is source material with George R.R. Martin's books. I know they've kind of mined that, but there this is I think a a big property. I'm actually kind of bummed. I didn't have it on my list cuz I think it could be this and they're already doing a Jon Snow show which will be, you know, uh, huge if they can execute that correctly and I would put the execution team at HBO Max uh, in great spot to be able to make these good. It's it's a group that you definitely trust to, to do a good job. And it's largely the same group that was involved with the first Game of Thrones. So they've got experience here. It's not like they're the Disney Plus people who are picking up this stuff, you know, like uh, with Star Wars, where they're trying to make an Obi-Wan show and George Lucas is not involved. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, although Benioff and Weiss are not. But that's a good one. I, I, my next one is the James Bond franchise, because I think that we, we need to give some value to longevity. This is a character that has endured for more than 50 years now, or about 50 years. And it has been, they've managed to update him for the times, several times. And I think that they're going to be able to do it again the family you have to take into consideration the family that runs the franchise the broccolis controls the franchise meaning they decide who the next james bond is they decide whether they're doing a movie they are the reason that there has not been a james bond tv show so far and i just feel like they either will at some point get with the times and authorize more stuff they're already starting to do that in the video game world and you know, in the gaming world and things like that, I think that the the Bond franchise will relaunch. It's going to be under Amazon, so we will have the reach of Amazon. And my, I may be idealistic here. I think they will convince the Broccoli's to do a TV show at some point. I'm I'm bummed by this one. I I I feel the same way. But
1: all of the everything I've I've read about the broccoli broccoli family has given me pause. But it feels like under new ownership or kind of. New partnership with with Amazon, they can prevail on them either with just a truckload of money or something, to to make a show. the The concern is if you believe what Barbara Broccoli said recently, there's probably they don't know who the next James Bond is, so we probably won't have a movie for three to five years at a minimum, True. and uh and the TV show is then maybe seven or ten
0: years down the line. I mean, it's gonna happen, but you're waiting a while for a payoff. But don't you think Amazon is still going to be around and doing what they do at that point? I mean, who knows? But, you know, most of these successful streaming services have spinoffs from their hit movie franchises. You know, if you look at Disney Plus, they've been floated by the Marvel and the Star Wars shows. You look at HBO Max, they're now getting into spinoffs of the DC movies. But Amazon needs something that can be spun off as a series from a powerful movie. And this is that. This is, you know, the the arguably the most known film franchise of all time. And if they can get a TV show out of this, not a reality show, whatever Mark Burnett's doing, that's silly. A real scripted series, James Bond's origins, you know, money penny show, something that is in that world, I think that would be huge for them. Something equivalent to what they had with Jack Ryan, which was a TV show based on Tom Clancy, and it was not my taste, but did very well for them. Yeah, you have
1: to bet on Amazon to, to figure it out, I think. Okay, number five. I'm very torn. So the the kid in me wants to pick Harry Potter. Oh, God. Because I love the, the project. I think you're underestimating how much continued fan interest is. And if they ever convinced J.K. Rowling to commission some TV shows, I think they would be gigantic. But I see her being more intransigent than Barbara Broccoli, and so I, hmm. I don't think I can do it but the other one that's long in the tooth is is Jurassic and my optimism there is based almost exclusively on them figuring out how to do a dinosaur TV show so i think i'm in, i think i will do that uh, even though the movie franchise is needs a needs a breather i i kind of approach these things like what is the what is the ip that you can just continue to go back to and dinosaurs to me are evergreen and so there will be opportunities to make new Jurassic Park movies and new Jurassic Park TV shows. And people will watch them. And even this latest one that is kind of a dud is going to gross $800 million.
0: And, yeah. So Jurassic is interesting because it is Spielberg. And Spielberg has a lot of sway in what they do with this. I, I believe the reason there has not been a Jurassic TV show is is not just because Terra Nova, the Fox show about dinosaurs, failed about a decade ago. It's because Spielberg has resisted and he wants this to be a film franchise. And I know they said that this last one was the end of the Jurassic saga. That's complete bullshit. We all know that. They will do more. Universal doesn't have any superheroes. They need these franchises they have to continue. So they'll take a little bit of a break and then they'll figure out where to go with the Jurassic movies. I... I, I, I agree with you that it will exist and live on. I just think it's going to take a home run to reinvent Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, because they have essentially turned these movies into PG-13 horror movies where the dinosaurs almost eat someone and then they don't. And that's basically what this last movie was. Not a lot of interesting creative ideas going on in this movie. It's sort of become like what happened to the Jaws franchise, where you know, what was it, jaws 4 with the shark this time it's personal like the shark was going after her. <laughs> so, it i they got to figure out some kind of a way. Maybe they go all the way back to i I don't want to give they my ideas. They pick a different era. To, yeah, my my ideas will probably be bad, but they got to figure something out here because I think this is totally execution dependent. It will live on, but to be the franchise that it is, they've got to figure out creatively how it, how it moves forward. All right, my number 5 I'm going to go with despicable me and not just because we're in the middle of minions mania producer Craig's favorite phenomenon. I think we're going to have minions movies for years and years to come. It is illumination's biggest franchise. It's again, universal, which does not have a lot of franchises. It really hasn't been exploited in television. Like it could be. And kids effing love the minions. I, Look, I almost went to Spickable Me
1: here. The The main reason I didn't is there is a producer wrinkle like Broccoli and Potter here, not in that Illumination doesn't want to exploit its IP in other ways. It just never has. They've Chris Melodondri is a very cautious and careful uh, executive, and it has worked to his benefit for the most part. He only makes a couple of movies a year. They tend to do very well. But... I, you know, he has, he ultimately has most of the say about what they do. And Universal has, has never really been able to or, or, for, or forced his hand to like do more with the properties. Now, maybe that will change. Maybe Minions is the one where they finally push it over the edge, but it, it hasn't happened in like the 20 years of, of Chris making animated movies. Um, and so I'd be a little reluctant about it, about it happening going forward.
0: So the, the bear case on Minions is that this movie, Rise of Gru, is likely not going to get to a billion dollars, whereas Despicable Me 3 and the first Minions movie both got over a billion dollars. So, you know, you could say it's actually diminishing, unless it, for some reason, performs really well in the rest of July and August. But I just feel like they they will... Universal has been pretty good about exploiting some of their other franchises across platforms, and i think the minions you know it's evergreen you don't even need steve carell at some point like these are you just need the minions (laughs) you need the minions and at this point like the french guy that does their voices i'm sure they've got it all on a computer and they can just create them and it's a it's like it's a gold mine yeah Um, all right we got to do sleeper you want to go first with your sleep now this is not necessarily a six man yeah, the rule that we came up for with this was it has
1: to be some, because Matt drew a comparison to this baseball thing where you pick a, a prospect from someone else, it has to be a property that is in development and is going to get produced, but doesn't exist yet as a film or TV franchise. Yes. I was initially thinking I was going to go Barbie because I re- I do think that movie is going to be a big hit, but but Craig triggered me with Mario, which is also an oh, illumination. dude,
0: fuck. That was going to be mine. Well,
1: I got to go first. That's... Chris Pratt. So right. I am right, picking Mario. It. It, it is video game properties are starting to do really well in Hollywood. That is being done by Chris Melodondry, who has a great track record, who has a close relationship with Nintendo, and I, I, I just everybody knows Mario, and there's a whole world of characters, and if you do that right, that could become a huge franchise.
0: Yeah, and Universal also thinks this is a franchise because they're creating. Super Mario World or Nintendo Land or whatever it's called at their parks. And you don't do that unless you believe this could be something significant. also appeals to younger people. I think think there's huge upside on Mario. Yeah. You know, since you stole mine, I'm going to change the rule on this because I I have a pick, but it's already been several movies. It's just a dormant franchise that they are trying to restart. I'm going to go with Indiana Jones because the movie that's currently shooting with Harrison Ford. I think it's done shooting and it's scheduled to be released next year. If they are smart and this movie has been in development long enough where they are surely not going to just hang this on an 80-year-old Harrison Ford. If they are smart, this movie will restart the franchise in a meaningful way and have some characters that can live on beyond this particular story. This franchise has a history of having, you know, they had a TV show where they, you know, they spun off. They did a Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. They they tried this before, where Shia LaBeouf was in the fourth movie, and ultimately, you know, he was not as compelling, and the movie was not great. But I think if this movie's done well, the Indiana Jones franchise could be a sleeper for Disney. You know,
1: it's huge. It, those those movies were great. Does it mean anything to you? I'm. A little bit, but I'm like five years—or not five. I'm a couple of years too young. I mean, the originals came out in the early '80s when I was not born, and my fam—my parents weren't that into them, so I didn't really watch them until I was—I don't know—a teenager. Um, I did not care about the remakes, but I think for a lot of people my wait, age, wait, wait, the remakes—you mean not the, the remakes, one. the sequels, that th- the kind yeah. of the more recent sequels. But I think for a lot of people my age, they do care. But I don't think anyone, say, under the age of 30 really cares about Indiana Jones.
0: Yeah, the problem is they're so closely connected to Harrison Ford and what is it without it? But again, they've, they did a TV show in the 80s. And Craig, aren't you on record saying Raiders is like your favorite movie?
1: Yeah, Lucas, I was going to say, bite your tongue because I love Indiana Jones. And yes, Raiders is my favorite movie.
0: So I just feel like it it becomes, you know, the Disney version of a swashbuckling archaeologist action franchise. And this movie sets up somebody as a character that can live on. And who knows how that if work? You
1: can take that and Pirates together and maybe then Harrison <laughs> Ford and Johnny Depp will do a movie.
0: Pirates will live on at yeah. some point, but I think that that franchise has seen its best days. For, for what it's worth, I did a little scorekeeping on this. Bet- across
1: our 12 picks, four of them are Disney, Three of them are universal. Two are Warner Brothers Discovery, and nobody else has more than one.
0: Wow. Okay. So we will see. Unless you count
1: Coco Melon as Netflix, which I don't really. I mean, it is Netflix. They're not
0: letting that go. But they don't own it. If they wanted to own it, they could have bought it, and they didn't. Right. They didn't buy it, yeah. All right, we will see how our picks turn out. Stay tuned. We'll come back in 20 years and assess. Thanks, Matt. This episode is brought to you by State Farm.